Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. Hello and welcome back to Ausbiz, live from our Brangaroo studios. You've tuned in to The Call. Uh, we do it at this time every day. Ten stocks suggested by you. I put them to an expert panel. We do it all in one hour. It's Wednesday, the 12th of October. And let's get straight into it with our two experts, Carl Gabalinga from Thick Markets in WA, Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial here in our studios. Uh, chaps, the, the markets... Michael, are on a knife edge at the moment. Yeah. Um, ahead of this US inflation figure out on Thursday night, everyone's spooked. Are you finding that? I think, why would you make a decision now? Yep. I mean, it's, we've seen how violent the market reactions have been to previous um, data points. And, you know, I think in September there was, you know, 12 days out of 20 odd trading days in a month that had 1% moves or more. And that's yeah. a lot looking yeah. at history. So, Market's very reactive at the moment, and if you're looking to park money into the market or put money into the market, why not wait for yeah, the inflation numbers? Yeah. Um, Carl, last night, the Dow up 500 points at one stage, finished flat for... N- I didn't see any particular reason, and I thought, oh, God, everyone's going into their bunker for a couple of days, <laughs> through, holding out the three-day countdown to Thursday night our time. Yeah, look, it could be, but you've got to think about, like, if you're a big fund manager, it's not easy and you want to sell. So if you've got a bearish view on the world, you, you, yeah. you're on uh, the you know, the Twitterverse, and you're listening to all this, this bad news that keeps building, all these potential. Like, at the moment, I see a lot of dislocations out there in the market, all right? Things that aren't functioning the way they should because of what's going on on the interest rate side of things, okay? But we haven't seen any major breakages. Maybe some would argue, okay, what's happening in the UK? Uh, yep. with, you know, the BOE having to buy gilts. Maybe that's getting close to a break, breakage. There's some stuff going on in Japan, China. Like, like, a lot of dislocations, not your breakages. I think if you're a big fund manager that thinks, you know what, the breakages are inevitable, and there are many that who feel that way, the best, uh, or your only option to sell, like, I mean, you're huge, right? You're, you're a giant yeah. Titanic trying to navigate through the market, and you want to have less risk, which means less shares. The best time to sell is when everybody's buying. Right. Yeah. That's how you get the most volume out in the fastest way. So you have to you, you look at these rallies, you know, see, you say the Dow's up five reports, you look at that as an opportunity to sell. Right. And okay. this, is, this is just pulling it back to the technical analysis. When you see those candles, they start higher and then close lower. That's those uh, shadows pointing up I keep talking about. Yeah. They're the nasty ones you've got to watch, watch out for. And that's telling you viewers can do this. It's technical analysis 101. Keep an eye on those. Those shadows are telling you we're probably going lower. Yeah, they're flaming big shadows at the moment after last night. Oh, my God. Talk about shadows. Um, look, this half hour, we're going to talk about Ironbark Zinc, Genesis Energy, Poseidon Nickel, uh, 92 Energy, a National Tire and Wheel. So we've 
got a lot of uh, small resource energy stocks in there. Um, yeah. But stock of the day that I always choose, I know it came up on Monday um, on the call here, but Coronado, uh, Coronado Global is in the, uh, the news today, this morning. Um, it has surged after confirming confidential discussions with Peabody uh, Energy re regarding a potential combination um, has commenced, or well, they're certainly not confidential <laughs> anymore, but with continuous disclosure, they've got to do this quite rightly. Um, Carl, what do you think of, uh, of Coronado? Well, I liked, I liked it before this. Um, so it's interesting, uh, you say, you know, all confidential, confidential um, sort of discussions and the company in their response to the ASX query, that, you know, they've, they've got to do the pro, it's got pro forma written all over it. You know, we're in discussions, discussions may not eventuate though, yeah. so don't get too excited. But I don't know if you, you saw the announcement up the top, um, the person who lodged it, it's got project Bond, so quote unquote project Bond, B O N D, and I don't think they're referring to the uh, the famous MI6 agent there, Koshi. Yep. So <laughs> that's, you know, they probably should have scrubbed that off. If they're not serious about it and they don't want to get the market excited about, it, they probably should have taken the words project Bond. I mean, the Bond is the coming to coming together of you know two separate elements to create. Uh, I don't know what the chemical term is, Michael. He's I'm sure he's the chemistry expert. He'll tell me. But anyway, <laughs> they're, they're looking at this. As, as a long-term bond, right, between them and Peabody, another big um, US-based coal producer. Just in terms of the financials, very similar, though. So uh, the Coronado is about $2 billion market cap. Peabody's a bit bigger, about 3.8. Uh, the, the this year's PE for uh, Coronado is about 12. Next year, because they're cycling some really big earnings are coming through and they've got a December year end, so that hasn't hit yet. Um, we're looking at 2.2 PE and then five, then eight as that earnings cycle. Now, I'll give you Peabody's numbers. So for people who hold Coronado, this is the stuff you need to know. Um, so they're looking at about a PE of about four, then three, and then 10. So not, not dissimilar. Hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a good sign. So it's not like um, you, you're getting into something way more expensive. They're both, both priced pretty similar. Um, I can't see dividend yield for, for Peabody though. And I know Coronado is about 8%. Look, long story short, I, I think anything that makes them bigger in that space is probably going to help them sort of size, right. scope, scale. Coronado's got substantial US operations. No doubt that's what Peabody's interested in. The, the, the coking coal price, the metallurgical coal price, it's important viewers understand that Coronado is 90% coking coal so we've heard about this big um, looming energy crunch that's not what coronado is about they're about steel making um, they're about economic growth uh, but the price is rising about 300 dollars us a ton not long ago it was about 200 long-term averages about 150 200 so they're in a good spot i don't mind them i'm happy to go hold let's see how this all turns out to go buy the chart is very good uh, right. But I'm only going to go hold up by because my preferred pick in the space is Stanmore Resources, SMR. That one's a buy for me. Oh, OK. Uh, what about uh, what's your, your chart saying on your thermals? I haven't. Thermals? I, I uh, haven't thermals had a chance because <laughs> Whitehaven came up. Tuesday is your answering yes. questions for, yeah. uh, isn't it? And I, I, haven't right. watched, I haven't watched the video yet. No, it came up again. It comes up every week because yeah. we've got a bunch of clients that are in this one. Uh, Louis, you know we have trimmed some exposure yeah. uh, on a big, big black candle. That worried me a little bit. Um, but we, we've still got clients that are in it. And basically, I've said, look, hold what you've got, but we have trimmed. So for right. viewers out there, the, you know, this is how I'm, you know, look, I don't know if I'm lumping myself in with the pros, but the, we are trimming 
our exposure to these because they have had a magic run. But we're down to that last bit. You want to hold on that glory trade. Who knows where, that, okay. where it might so go. So you've said trim, you know, a, trim a third, haven't you? Uh, yeah, trim, but we're still holding We're still holding two at thirds. least a third. Some, some people are on two thirds, yeah. Right, okay. Uh, Coronado, Michael? Yeah, I mean, Carl summed it up all pretty well there. It's very much focused on that steel input. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously why the share price hasn't taken off perhaps as much as some of those other coal producers that you see out there, which are more aligned to that, um, in, to the, the energy production and, the, and the, yeah, that sort of thing. So um, it's obviously a, a good sign that this discussion's ongoing. Um, it, I think scale in this particular industry is very, very important going forward. But I am conscious of the fact that as the global economy potentially slows, demand for steel comes under pressure and in, in turn businesses like this come under pressure. You've also got to be conscious of the fact that if this deal for whatever reason falls over, it might be a bit of a black mark and the sentiment might turn negative on that front for at least a little period of time. So look, from, from my standpoint, happy to give it a hold. Um, it's not right. something we've ever bought. It's not something I know that much about, but this sort of activity um, I think is, is positive for the company. Yep. Um, are your clients in the, the thermals, the New Hopes and White Havens as well? Unfortunately not. Right. Oh. I, I wish we were. We sort of missed that boat. It's one of those situations where you're watching this going, wow, the trend looks quite good on these things and the story yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But we are cautious of that space. We have seen similar cycles in Whitehaven previously and you can very quickly get caught holding something turning the wrong way. So we can, look, we do use them as trading stocks occasionally, but not so much coal. Um, we've been big into the uranium space, which we'll touch oh, yeah. on a bit later on, yes. um, as well as the lithium space. And we just feel as though the long-term thematics in that area make a lot more right. sense. Yeah. Um, although we are enviously watching the, the, you know, the ongoing price movements in, in yeah. Whitehaven and the likes. Yeah, New Hope, uh, record high this morning. Yeah. Uh, Whitehaven up uh, close to its record. Uh, I've taken Carl's advice because I've been getting nervous. It's all a third. Um, all right, let's get into the first stock that... Uh, our viewers want us to, to take a look at. And uh, Carl, first up, uh, Tariq wants a view on Ironbark Zinc, as the name implies, uh, has exploration development holdings in, in Greenland and Australia. Mm. Yeah, I think Tariq asked uh, about this one uh, a while ago when I was on uh, with Henry and uh, Henry said, don't touch it because it's in Greenland. Yep. and they'll never raise the money. And I said, hey, it's a specy buy. Like it's, right. it's a binary bet. It'll be hero or zero. Yeah. Either they'll raise the money, they'll get to mine, uh, and it'll be wonderful, and you'll be hero, it'll be bags, or they won't raise the money, and it'll be zero. Uh, Henry was right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit too optimistic on this one. Look, right. and to be fair, I, defi I defied my chart. The chart was in a downtrend, yeah. and I said... Because, look, they've got a bankable feasibility study. They're miles along the track. They're not just kicking over rocks trying to find the zinc, right? The zinc is there. They know it's there. Um, they know what the net present value is. The zinc prices are higher than what they've factored in. They just need to get a partner to, to build the damn mine and then start pulling it out. And that's where they're struggling. That's where they're falling over. And because um, certainly since uh, Henry and I were on last time, we talked about this for Tariq, the zinc prices have come off quite a bit as well. Right. And that's not that won't help them get the funding. Um, so, look, my, long story short, my position hasn't changed. The chart still looks terrible. I should probably call it a sell. 
but I still think it's the same binary bet. And I'm not talking to somebody who's got a self-managed super fund who's going to put, you know, a core uh, position weighting on Ironbart Zinc. You you would just never do that. Uh, but somebody who's in it, look, it, it's it's about two cents now. I mean, you know what your downside is. Your upside is whatever it will be. Um, so it's I, I can go hold on that basis. But if you're not in it, I, I will this time go, it's not a spec buy. Right. Um, just stay away. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're there, yeah, uh, you might. Well, it's down to a cent. Really can't yeah, go that it's much, not much later. Left, exactly. no. um, Michael? Yeah, 18 mil market cap, which oh, sort of says a lot. Sense. So it's a very, very small business. Um, it is looking to lock in financing, whether that be through debt financing or locking in an equity partner as well. They were, they do have a memorandum of understanding with a construction company who's basically willing to provide equity as long as they're the the um, the sole provider of all the civil engineering and the construction right. and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, they have had to defer their final investment decision, which was meant to be initially decided by the end of this year. They've had to push that out. So there's just a plethora of unknowns at the moment. And again, it's a, it's a, it's as speculative as speckies become or speckies right. get on the market. So you have to keep yeah. that in mind. They're, they're running out of cash. They're running yeah. out of cash too, Mark. Running out of cash in Greenland. Yeah. It's a, just not the best jurisdiction to right. be doing projects like this. So I have to give it a, a sell. sell. I mean, yeah. it's, okay. I couldn't, I can't justify it in many ways. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to our uh, second stock now. And Sally wants a view on Genesis Energy. Uh, Genesis is a bit like the AGL or the origin of, of New Zealand. Uh, big producer of electricity, um, a lot from, uh, from renewable energy, um, has uh, a big retail presence as well. So not only an electricity generator, it's a retailer, um, as I say, uh, based in New Zealand. Michael? Yeah, so... It's a, it's a business that has done very well in recent times. Um, a big part of their earnings boost has come from the revaluation of various dividend, or not dividend, sorry, derivative contracts. Yeah. So that's a, a one-off. I'm not sure what's going on with the chart there because it's not yeah. something I, I'm <laughs> following on a daily basis. But it's a company that's also done a good job in buying bulk coal early on so they haven't been as affected by the rising coal prices that we've seen they've also got fixed long-term supply contracts as well which does smooth out um, their earnings but you do have to be conscious going forward that when they purchase their next batch of coal are they going to be able to buy it at the same prices and that's unlikely and will next year will they get the same sort of pickup um, in their derivative contracts so from my standpoint, that's a negative, and I think it's going to be caught up into the same issues that we're seeing with AGL um, and the likes of Origin as well, with okay. the rising costs <coughs> of coal and inputs. Yeah, we had a bit of a glitch, I think, in the uh, mm. uh, in the chart sort of program there, but it it, it hasn't flatlined. Uh, in <laughs> uh, this time last year, it was three dollars thirteen. Now two dollars fifty three. So, uh, what do you think of Genesis, Carl? Yeah, I like it. I like the chart. If that was a cardiogram, <laughs> then Genesis yeah, yeah. is dead on the, the table. The market would be dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. But no, look, it's still trading. It hasn't. The chart's not great though, because as you say, it is it is a downtrend, sort of down thirty yeah. percent from the last twelve months. Um, and look, it's not. It's just, it's a very interesting company. I don't I don't hate it. It's got a great dividend yield, and I think that's 
what a lot of people are attracted to. They go, well, you know, I, I don't want to stick my money in the bank. I mean, this was your, your theory uh, a year a year ago, really, isn't it? A year ago. I don't want to stick my money in the bank. Let me find some good uh, dividend-paying stocks. Utilities are good. They're pretty stable. Mm. And I, I don't mind that mentality. But interest rate, that outlook has changed. So you're getting, um, what, 3.5% now in a, in a sort of a, a longer-term term deposit. Uh, and maybe if you shop around, you get a little bit more. And you've got no risk there. Uh, and I think it makes these yields, which are unfranked as well, mind you, not look as attractive. Look, the other problem is it's not a very cheap stock. So it's trading at 22 times uh, this year's earnings, uh, 17 times next year's earnings. It does have a little bit of growth in it, but for me, not enough to justify, when you look at, say, the PEG ratio, not yeah. enough to justify the valuation. Um, they, it is a quite a, um, uh, it, the, the earnings can be quite volatile because they've, they've got a large portion of their earnings come from hydropower. So if you have a really wet season over there in New Zealand, you have a lot of cheap um, hydropower. If you don't, then it can get quite expensive. As you say, they are a retailer of energy, and that's always hard because you've got a lot of government mandates on, on, your, on your margins, effectively impacting your margins. So. Um, I think in terms of risk rewards, your reward is, well, this dividend yield, but then the, the risk is the chart looks pretty terrible. So what you might, you might make your 6%, but you might lose 7 or 8% in your capital. And it's not a cheap stock. So it's not cheap to go, oh, well, it's a bargain. So, yep. you know, not it's fair. kind of cross, cross, cross for me. Valuation, uh, chart, uh, risk rewards. I don't think it's there. I'm going to go sell on this one. Okay. Um... Our next stock is uh, a very famous name in the market. If you're an old fellow like me, uh, Connor wants a view, Carl, on Poseidon Nickel. Yes. Everyone remembers the different. Poseidon boom. If you're, if yeah, you're different Poseidon though. Different. It's it's a re, maybe a re reimagined. It's not. It's yeah, reimagined. That's the word. It's not the um. It's not the one from before. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. But uh, but it is still a nickel stock, and they're they're still over here in WA. They're uh, Black Swan deposit which uh was on is on care and maintenance so it's a producer in the past but nickel the, the bottom fell out of nickel prices as tends to do with nickel prices during the cycle right and by cycle i mean nickel prices go up because there's uh we, we, economic growth is uh, booming and there's been a years of under investment in nickel why because the nickel price is rubbish and then um everybody starts producing nickel and nickel prices go down and the economy turns down and then we go through the next cycle yeah. uh, we're probably in that cycle now so i think that's the big message there but for all your nickel producers now igo mcr these guys are impacted as well um but for for someone like this who doesn't who's not producing who is trying to get to that stage by um, they call it fill the mill um, by, by having enough reserves um, to, to fill the mill to then get to production raise the money to do that um, go through all the hurdles there's there's just too much risk I think for investors to bear and that's why we've seen the share price come down along with the nickel price um they're serial disappointers management continues to disappoint in terms of the timing of this restart it was supposed to be a final investment decision in may and producing right now koshi but i tell you what oh, they're right. not producing right now koshi because that big super pit is full of water i've seen a picture so they are producing anything they're not going to be producing anything anytime soon so oh. it's just disappointment upon disappointment upon disappointment from beside investors look i have been a buy on this in the past but the chart was going up but you have right. to understand I'm in stocks for a good time, not a long time. The chart turned down ages ago and we got out. And I, I just can't see a reason to be in it. They're again running out of money and they're going to need, need to have a big capital raise soon. So it's it's a real, it's a, I don't know if I'll call it a sell. It's three, it's three cents. If you're in it, you might as well hang on. Like yeah. it's, it's still a binary, it's that binary bet again. But if you're not in it, I wouldn't be looking okay. at it right now. Yep. Michael? Um, it's again one of these smaller, um, high risk type miners. Um, 
the thing is what they try and do is use modern exploration mining techniques to restart old um, assets which were no longer viable um, that is what essentially they're attempting to do here but as Carl points out they were meant to have this up in production this year again that's been pushed back substantially they do have a gold resource which they're looking to monetize in order to to fund their nickel production or, or their nickel mine uh, but at the moment that's not necessarily the case either they do have a bit of cash on the balance sheet but at this rate they'll probably burn through that cash in another couple of quarters so keep that in mind there's a good chance i'll need to raise money again to try and restart that mine and get it back into production and the problem is what is going to be the price of nickel at that point and when you're so reliant on that it, it's very very volatile as you can see there so for mine i'm going to give it a, a sell until you hear some news about when they're going to restart the the nickel mine yep okay all right um michael you talked a bit earlier about mm -hmm. uh uranium uh being one of the the energy sources that people are looking at. Grace wants of your 92 Energy, your uranium exploration company in um, in Canada, that they have some some deposits there. What do you think yeah, of they've that? Done some, 92 Energy. They've done some early drilling by all accounts, and the radioactivity levels around those drill holes have been strong. Um, <laughs> the only place in the world where you <laughs> love radioactivity is <laughs> if you're drilling for uranium. <laughs> That's right. It's a natural occurrence. So. Um, look, it's again very small, this one, about 40 mil market cap. Right. Um, but we do think that long term, the uranium story and supply demand dynamics look fairly attractive. Mm. Um, it's expected that in China, their demand for uranium over the next 10 years um, <coughs> are expected to increase you know, 60, 70% yeah. in terms of their demand. Um, there are a lot of uranium miners out there that are in care and maintenance mode, if that, if they haven't been closed down altogether. Yeah. Over the last 10, 15 years, whatever it's been now since Fukushima, the collapse yeah. in the uranium price, a lot of them have closed down. So there is a so lot. So there's of, a lot of supply. There is a that lot can of supply that can come on quickly, but it'll still take a long time for that to actually play out. Right. But that is okay. something you do have to keep an eye on when looking at the uranium price, because you are starting to see a lot of mines come back into production or at least get approval. Um, the one that we've been invested in primarily um, has been Boss Energy. Right. They've yep. got a good quality asset in South Australia. They've got approval to bring that back into production. And they're expected to produce, I think, about, um, I think it was three, yeah, 3.3 million pounds per annum. So that will be quite a, a decent um, input into the market. But if they're able to do that quickly and start yep. capitalising on these slightly higher uranium prices, which have, I think, tripled over the last 12 months, then that will be a, a pretty good thing for something like that. A business like, like um, 92 Energy is still a long, long way off <coughs> right. ever producing, let alone capitalising on the high prices. So for mine, I think you want to stay in the high quality players at this point in the, the cycle. Yeah, all yep. close to producing. Um, yeah, Carl, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of discussion, particularly at government mm. levels, is it, when you've, you've got all these emission targets to, to reach and you need a sort of base load power, do you yep. go for coal <coughs> while renewables come on, or do you think uranium? Well, look, natural gas had uranium beat for so many years yep. until Russia decided to go and invade Ukraine, right? Yep. So 
and then and we're blowing up gas pipelines at the bottom of the uh, of the ocean uh, so yeah uranium is very much back on the agenda and i look gosh you just i'd love to do a whole session just on uranium because it's so fascinating right now and there's such a, a huge and growing following of this topic yeah. um, i still think we're a few years away from the lithium style shortages and booms so don't get too excited it's got to be a slow burn because as michael says there's still a lot of supply that come can come on but stockpiles are low at utilities i know we're not talking about 92e this is bigger picture stuff um so stockpiles are low they've used up all their um their, their weapons grade stuff so reprocessing that and they're having to go back into the market to to contract out long term again so uh once that starts to pick up the spot market will pick up we've got sprot as well out there buying up a whole heap of uranium um look michael's right i mean paladin boss look those are the ones that you would naturally go to but it's risk reward. I mean, they've got they've got resources. They're in the ground. They're just waiting for restarts. Um, but you're not going to get the big bang for your buck that you get at 92 if they find something massive. And they're in the right real estate. So with mining, it's about location, location, location. And they are 10 kilometres south of one of the biggest and highest grade uranium mines in the in the world, owned by the biggest uranium miner, Kamiko. So I'm talking about Cigar Lake. And they have had some great results so far, but they are, as Michael said, such an early stage, but that's why you're getting involved. You're not getting involved because they're about to produce, you're getting involved because that next drill hit could be so amazing that it goes from whatever it is now to 10 times over the space of two weeks. It is not a, a core portfolio holding, it is a pure risk money bet for people who understand the dynamics of this trade. Right. I'm a buy on this one, because, not because of the chart, again, uh, you know, again, famous last words, but because it is my favourite and most prospective uranium explorer listed on the ASX. They are in such a good place and the results are so promising so far. So it's one you buy, don't look at it, it'll be a hero or zero. Okay, so I often refer to it as my, my TAB money in your portfolio. Exactly. You, you either yep. put it on the, on, the, on the Melbourne Cup or you put a couple of specs Exactly. Market. Whatever you know, whatever you're planning to, you, you, you're betting allowance for for the for the last or next twelve months. Don't waste it on that. Put it on ninety two e. I think it'll be right. a better bet. Oh, that's road. interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go a bit more conventional with our fifth stock, Michael. Uh, uh, we need a, a view for uh, David on National Tire and Will, which, as the name implies, they're a big retailer of of car tires and yeah. Mag wheels and the like. So the largest importer um, and wholesaler of tyres. So it's an uh, old school type of business, yeah. um, providing tyres to cars and SUVs and caravans and these sorts of things. Um, the balance sheet itself doesn't look too bad. The revenue and earnings growth's been okay. The margins are stable. Return on equity has been growing. Um, however, the issue has been the big pickup in debt. So this business, it makes about nine million dollars a year but its interest payments have gone up to about five million dollars a year oh. from three million the previous year so i think that's probably what the market's got a little bit fearful about and why it's in that longer term or that sort of at least that downward trend since the beginning yeah, of the horrible year. chart because I, I was going to say to you you know supply chains have opened yeah. up cars are back on the road that's surprising but it's all down to the I, debt i, I and think the that's higher the case rate. because interest rates have been going up and as that's happened okay. Um, yeah, they're just seeing their interest payments balloon and it's eroding a lot of their, their profitability. So, look, they've been doing a lot of good things over the last sort of couple of years. They've done a lot of acquisitions. Um, they recently purchased a company that generates about $3 million in revenue, but they'll make earnings from that of about 500 k So, 
Look, the company's not a disaster, but I just do worry in this environment. You mm. don't want to have more debt on your balance sheet than, than equity. or So just be careful of, of that in this current environment. So for that reason, I'm going to go a sell, and I think the chart definitely backs that up. Yeah. Carl? Yeah, I agree. I'm scanning my notes here. I wrote down exactly the same thing that Michael wrote down about their uh, net interest coverage ratio, which is one of those key um, warning sign ratios that uh, fundamental analysts will look at. So how many times your uh, earnings cover your interest payments? And it uh, it, it fell substantially. Oh, look, I can't find the bloody number, but somebody's going to scream at their screen um, but and that's a that so that is a big cow picked that picked up on that as well the other big um, issue koshi is obviously the the price of um, tires is based upon the price of crude oil um, so you and i have covered this one many many times over the last sort of 12 months and i've noted that you know obviously big input in tire production is, is uh, crude oil i think it's yep. seven gallons or something goes into the tire so they've had a huge in, in, increase in their uh, cost base from there obviously that's what they do um i can't I, I, I can't like this one the chart is horrific um i've been on maybe three or four times with you koshi i've called to sell every time you can see why and i have to go sell again today there's, there's no redeeming features here okay all right let's recap the uh, the first five stocks uh, stock of the day uh, Coronado from both uh, Carl and Michael after it uh, announced this morning that it's in discussions with uh, with Peabody Mining in the US. Uh, a hold from both of them. Uh, Carl prefers Stanmore in this metallurgical coal area. Uh, Einbach Zenkub, a hold from Carl, a sell from Michael. Uh, Genesis, a sell from Carl, no from Michael. Uh, Poseidon, the same from both of them. 92 Energy, um, both like the uranium uh, sector. Uh, Michael prefers uh, groups like Boss or Paladin who are producing, so not 92 Energy. Um, Carl Reggett, this is his best perspective, uh, uranium explorer, and says if you've got speculative money, sort of gambling money that you want to put in, uh, put aside... Gambling's the wrong word, but highly uh, speculative, <laughs> high risk money that you don't put a lot in, but you have a bit of fun. That's worth having a look at. And uh, National Tires, a sell from both. Um, here on the call, we've been uh, tracking our own high conviction uh, growth fantasy fund uh, as picked by the investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live on ausbiz.com. Um, we, we film each committee meeting so you get an understanding of how portfolio managers talk about com portfolio construction and what companies go in and out. Uh, let's see what happened in the October meeting. Ardent Leisure was removed. Uh, the stake in Babcorp was trimmed uh, to be added to and the stake in Sol Patterson increased as a result. Incitec Pivot <coughs> holding was trimmed as well and Seek was added to the portfolio uh, with the weighting funded by Ardent Leisure going out and the trimming of Incitec Pivot. So if we see how the portfolio is performing since the 1st of March, up about half a percent. So uh, keep your, uh, your request coming in for the call because that's the first filter that gets up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD 
to your information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, in this half hour, we're going to be taking a look at Ragusa Minerals, Cochlea, Pure Profile, Telstra, and also Booktopia. Uh, Carl Nick wants a, a view on Ragusa um, Mining or Minerals, um, a, a gold explorer. Uh, lithium, they, they were gold, they switched to lithium. Oh, lithium. So, okay. yeah, I, I like, I love the list today, Koshi. I think we've got five out of the 10 uh, mining companies, so that yes. is definitely my, my bread and butter. Uh, and this is very yeah, exciting. Michael was bemoaning <laughs> that before the show, so <laughs> know, this is, this is exactly I'm trying my best here, guys. Um, <laughs> so, so have, have a look at the chart, put up the chart on this. It is an absolute ripper, and this is what I talk about when I say binary bet, right? So yep. Um, you, you have that thing, it's zero, and then boom, you know, it goes from one cent to 40 right. cents. You know, that's the that's that's. So the this is your 92 energy where you, oh, yeah. where you bought back in March and you just have to wait and wait. Yeah, well, the difference between 92 energy and these guys is 92 energy is actually um, drilling and they're having some really good drilling results. These guys aren't even drilling yet and they've done that, Koshi. How, oh, how oh, good? So, you know, you haven't even put a drill hole down yeah. and yet your stock price does that. <laughs> Is, this is classic, you know, WA stuff. So what they've got is, what they've done is they've done a lot of desktop analysis of historical um, previous drilling uh, and then sort of re-released that sort of, sort of stuff. They've gone to, to, to site, they've walked around with those little hammers that geologists have, they've taken some rock chip samples, got them assayed, and the market's getting all excited about some of these assays. So we've got uh, five... Uh, 5%, 5.4% lithium in one of them, 2.5% lithium in one of them. Remember last time I was on, I was talking about this, they had a, a bowling ball sized, um, just oh. chunk of spodumene, yep. just lying on the ground. You know, like it's just, there's just spodumene everywhere, apparently. Now, I'm, I'm being apparently. silly here because <laughs> you won't know. Won't know until you send the drill holes down and start to get an right. idea of what's there, and then you've got to work out what sort of resource there is, and then you've got to work out the project economics, then you've got to get partners and offtake agreements. All the stuff someone like a Pilbara Minerals has done, Core, Linetown, they're they're ten years ahead of where these guys are gonna be, right? right? These guys are so early stages. The, the drilling is supposed to start, it should have started right now, and they need to get it done before the Northern Territory uh, wet season kicks in. So uh, their location is, is near Core Lithium, and that's kind of the excitement. Right. They've, they've pegged some ground next door to Core. Um, and if they can get those that drilling done, we might get some results towards the end of the year, and you might see some excitement. Long story short, it's not my favourite explorer out there. I just think it's so early stages, and I just think with so much hype already built in, you might find it'll, it'll be a little bit of, um, you know, buy the rumor, sell the fact. The yeah. chart is showing me there's enough supply in it not to believe the story as well. So I'm going to say, um, much like I said last time, if you've had a good run out of this, I think so, trim some, take yeah. some profits here. You might want to keep a little bit of skin in the game because you never do know. But I just think it's just so early in, in the process that it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not one you would go for if you didn't have it. Okay. Yeah, it's another example of sort of applying these modern exploration techniques to older assets. Because often you can go back in time, you reassess the data, look at what other people have done yeah. in the past and come up with a new plan of attack. And that's effectively what this company has done. Right. Um, they just talk about their excitement to begin the drilling program. And, and as Carl points out, they haven't <laughs> even started drilling yet. Um, but all the commentary and all the hype and, and all the releases from the market talk about, talk about their excitement to go and re-attack certain parts um, of this block of land, essentially. But it is in a good location, it is close to infrastructure, but these are all long-term potential benefits for the company. It still needs to 
to prove the resource um, and, and really move into that production phase or get much closer to that production phase. So if you're in this and you've done very, very well in a very short space of time, you'd be very tempted to lock in some of the money. I mean, anything with lithium these days at the moment, that's really a hot space. Yep. So it's probably riding on the coattails of that to some extent as well. So just keep that in mind. And look, it takes a very patient long-term investor to ride these things out over the 10-year cycle that it takes to become a producer. So I think it makes sense to be active around this uh, because you will more likely than not get the opportunity to get back in at lower prices at some stage when the sentiment turns negative or people just simply forget about a company like this and it falls off the, the hot copper list or whatever it right. may be. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those who uh, don't go, uh, don't know what hot copper is, it's, it's, a, um, it's a platform where, where people give their thoughts, random people give their thoughts on a stock and sometimes it's referred to as a pump and dump. very generous. Yeah. It's very pump, generous. A very pump and generous dump flat platform where they... Of hot, hot yeah, yeah. <laughs> build, build the uh, hype and then but, dump your stock. Look, the, the grades are great. I mean, so your good lithium grade for viewers who are wondering, right? Go have a look at all of those lithium announcements that have come out from the lithium stocks in your portfolio. Anything between sort of one and one and a half percent is considered a good grade. Anything over two percent is considered high grade. So, so the rock chip samples coming in at five and a half percent and two point five percent in the two two chips they sampled is amazing. And then you've got your bowling ball piece of spodumene. So you can see okay. why the hype's there, but it needs okay. to deliver right. on the hype. So is there, and this is a really dumb dumb question is there is there any transparency that you got to say well we got two chips at a really high grade out of yeah. 300 that we well, exactly. we had to walk around chips, and yeah. chipped and nothing came off yeah, and this is why, see, because I know this stuff, gosh, I've been analysing mining companies for over 20 years. Yeah. So I look at that, I see rock chip samples and assays, and I don't get excited. Right. But if I see dr drill holes that are spaced out, you know, right. 30, 50 metres, I see, you know, depth, I see, you know, it's open. Right. That's when I start to get excited okay. about drilling results. These guys aren't, aren't there yet. Yeah. You know. well, there's, there's one interesting company just off the back of talking about this that we do like, and that's an XRF Scientific. Right. So they basically sell the machines and the chemicals to these mining companies to test their samples. Ah. So when all these companies are walking around and chipping at blocks or whatever, they essentially use <laughs> this um, machine to help them get a gauge on the quality of all this stuff. So, right. Yeah, that's uh, just a, Is it Chrysos? Chrysos came up yesterday. That does a similar thing, Possibly. does it? With, with some CSIRO technology. Yeah, XRF, it's been around for a while. It's a right. smaller company, but it's somewhat mature, pays three, three and a half percent dividend yield. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting business, okay. I thought, just talking right. about rock samples and yeah. hammering things. And... <laughs> All right, um, let's, uh, uh, Jill wants a view now, Michael, on something a bit more established. Uh, yeah, Cochlear, boring. the, Michael, boring, the, uh, boring. the uh, oh, come on, the bionic in one, yeah, of the, amazing, amazing. one of the great health tech companies of the world that was invented here, Michael, in yes. Australia, was it? Yes, I think David Clark, um, yeah. one of the most famous inventions, basically allowing people to hear who couldn't yeah. previously do Change so. Change lives, it's gorgeous. Um, but look, they've been around now for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I think about 70% of the developed market potential patients have actually been fitted with a cochlear device oh. of some sort. So. The growth that they're going to get from the developed markets going forward um, is probably going to slow somewhat. And the company's been shifting their focus to emerging markets 
where obviously the, the untapped potential is enormous. Um, however, <coughs> the issue is they can't extract the same margins from emerging markets that they've been able right. to in the past from developing markets. So it does create a few issues for the business going forward. Don't get me wrong, they're still growing very quickly. They have emerged from the COVID issues they were facing um, in a decent position, although they are still struggling to get nurses and clinicians and, and things like that because of the, the tight um, supply of those particular workers. Um, the business has also done a decent job in shifting. For, for a long period there, there was a lot of imitation products coming into the market, particularly from, from China, um, but a lot of those products started to malfunction or weren't as high quality. Yep. So that again reinforced the quality of Cochlear's product and, and its position as sort of the dominant player in that space. Um, they also, what happened there for a long period of time was they were struggling to get um, people to get new implants. A lot of people were just upgrading their existing implants or yep. just purchasing accessories and a lot of their growth came from accessories. And that still is the case to some extent. Um, one other thing just to keep note of is there are a huge beneficiary of the falling Australian dollar. Their earnings forecast from back in August assumed a 70 cent AUD and that's obviously come back a long way. So they should get a bit of support because of that. And it's probably part of the reason why the share price has held up reasonably well despite the fact that it is a high PE growth type company. So look, from my standpoint, I'm actually gonna go a sell on Cochlear. Um, it's a very high quality business for over a long period of time, but in recent years, their earnings growth has become a lot more choppy. Their margins have narrowed, return on equities fallen. So I just think there are better healthcare quality companies on the ASX, despite the fact that Cochlear has proven over a long period of time to be a good business. So. Because there's the three, is it, that everyone batched together, uh, CSL, Resmed and Cochlear. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, you could throw Fisher and Pykel Healthcare Fisher in there, but they're having their issues Ramsey. at the moment, and yep. Ramsey as well. Um, but we do have some good quality names. I just yeah. think you can be a bit more selective. So is Resmed a better bet? <coughs> yeah, we, we like Resmed. We've held Resmed for a long time, continue to like it. CSL's another big hold. Fisher and Pykel's been a big hold and still is. It's come back a long, long way, but over a five-year period, it's done incredibly well. Yep. Um, some things like ProMedicus is a bit of yeah, a health tech yeah, business. Yeah. There's a lot of good quality things out there. Yep, that, that offer better prospects than Cochlear. Uh, Carl? Yeah, I was just looking at all those charts as you were you were talking. Oh, look, I agree with Michael. He's summed, uh, really gone through all the business fundamentals really, really well. Um, and the chart's kind of reflecting some of those negative themes. Having said that, it is look, I get it is quality and they are in the incumbent, 60% of the market. They spend $200 million a year on R&D because it's about you know 30% of their sales. So they're the only company that can say that. They're the only company that has that much sales to be able to spend that money. They are the innovators. They are the go-to if you want you know a quality uh, hearing aid. So that is all going to do well for them. Growth is not terrible, about you know sort of low uh, double digits for the next few years uh, that brokers are expecting. It's just what you're paying for it. So that's that's my biggest problem is that you're paying 46 times this year's earnings, 42 times next year's earnings. It's just there's just not enough growth to justify the high valuation and. Uh, before November last year, when interest rates were at zero and people were saying, you know, I'm happy to pay 40 times earnings for something like Cochlear, that was okay, yeah. but people just won't pay that now. And that's yeah. your big problem. That's why the price share price is under pressure. You could see this trading at 20 times earnings. Now, if you see Cochlear trading at 20 times uh, this or next year's earnings, you, you don't worry about the chart. Forget what I have to say about the chart. Just go out and buy it. Yeah. But that would mean it would have to halve in value to right. get there. Okay. And that's that's the frightening prospect. And I think if things get really nasty in, in the broader market, 
right? Some of those dislocation center breakages, you may well get that opportunity. And I would wholeheartedly say, this is, you know, um, Koshi, you did one of those um, sessions a while ago, what stock would you buy in a crash? Yes. Th this would be high on my list. So if you can pick this up half price, um, this is one you would buy because I do, I do like the business itself. So it's a sell for me. I'm with Michael based yep. upon the chart. In fact, I go so far as to say the chart looks like a short. Like it's setting up that good for a, for a sell. Um, right. I would short it, um, okay. but yeah, it's, I can't, can't get to buy. Okay, all right, um, Michael. Our next stop is one, one that hasn't, I don't think, come up on the call um, at all before. Kit wants a, a view on Pure Profile. They're a, a research and and data business in the in the advertising marketing sector? Mm -hmm. Yeah, another world. fairly small business, although it's been around for a long period of time. Um, basically providing data and insights to marketing businesses and yeah. different companies to try and perfect their marketing and give them insights and advantage that others might not be able to provide. Um, the biggest thing that stands out for me for this company is the amount of shares on issue today compared to 10 years ago has increased, I think, 20-fold. Oh. So they've consistently had to keep coming back to the market to raise money. Um, their earnings and their revenues have been pretty lumpy. So although there's been a big jump in revenue compared to the previous year, their revenues are still lower than where they were five years ago. They're not making any money. I think they might have made money once over the last 10 years, hence the need to keep raising yeah. more and more capital. They are looking to expand into international markets and diversify their, their offering to potential customers. but. It's just very hard to get excited about a company it's in this position they had a very large loan that was outstanding that loan was forgiven and i think converted to equity so it's reduced their interest payments somewhat and improved their cash flow position so they probably won't need to raise as much money or as <coughs> often but i just think there's still a lot that this company needs to right. prove despite the fact that it's been listed for a long period of time so i'm going to go a sell even Somewhere. though the charts a long 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 way below where it used to be yeah uh carl yeah, I mean, we talk, talked a lot in today's um, session about these binary bets, isn't it? This idea that you might have a mining company, you put a bit of fun money on it and uh, and it'll be zero or hero. When you get to your in, these small industrial companies like this, I don't think you've got those same payoff dynamics because it's not like they're going to find something in a hole somewhere and go, well, it's worth a whole heap of money. I mean, they've got to continue to build a business, build profits, you know, get customers in the, in the door and make a business case out of that. Now, these guys were doing pretty well, as Michael said, and this one actually had us a buy, oh, I reckon, halfway through last year, and we rode it from about $0.03 cents to $0.08. Cents. We've got to understand that as the market changes its mind and the, the top was just before uh, interest rates started going up, so just yep. before drone power got reappointed, and then the market said, no, 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 I'm not into this stuff anymore. And it started a slow decline at the start, and then that's when we start getting out, and then a very steep decline because they have not executed on what they were saying they were going to do so this is from the company's um, fy22 results so for people who are hanging on hoping that this is a binary bet i'll oh, hang on and it'll it'll go up eventually i'm not so sure so they're three-stage strategy koshi right now uh the first one is restructure okay analysts don't like the word restructure mm. that is a bad word for us uh the next a pillar of this three-stage three stage strategy is capital raise, Koshi. No. We don't like those those words either. And then the third pillar is refresh executive team, Koshi. Now, <laughs> analysts, oh. yeah, I know. Start analysts again. Don't, yeah, analysts don't like that. And then you lump on top of that the um, the uh, the CEO who had 13 million shares not that that long ago sold 10 million of them. 
Right. Um, that's okay. So you've just got four strikes. Right. Uh, and therefore, okay. I'm not seeing a lot of reason to be in this right now. So I'm with Mike on the cell. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, Carl, Brendan and Greg want a view on Telstra. Greg says, hello from Perth. G'day. Uh, I have a reasonable holding in Telstra. I've heard they may be selling some assets and perhaps having a share buyback. Can the experts give an opinion on the next 12 months for Telstra, please? Carl? Mm. Oh, I'm a bit torn on Telstra. I, I actually like like what they're doing, I like the business. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if you know they had that T22 strategy and they yes. started that about five years ago, right? And so, delivered hey, on it. And delivered on it. It's, it's 2022 and they delivered on it. So 2.6 billion, I think off the top of my head, yep. worth of cost outs. Um, they're leaner, they're meaner. They're going to spin off the infrastructure assets, which was approved yesterday. So that's answering Greg's question. So um, it needs to go to the New South Wales uh, Supreme Court, I want to say again off the top of my head. Um, but I think it's just a rubber stamp from here. So that um, could allow them really to monetize those assets. Um, they, have, they will have to hold half of the structure. Um, it probably will mean a float. Uh, and it's just, that's just a guess from me, but that's the most logical way to go about it. Um, but it'll allow them again, so they can either do a massive share buyback, capital return, you know, and if you like Telstra, you like it because the dividend yield and all the all the goodies they've given you along the way as a shareholder. So in, in that regard, I see, uh, and they're, you know, like I said, leaner, meaner, they're, 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 they're boring old bad old big old Telstra right but they're actually still adding users they've been on the right side of um, the shift to uh, the way we use data the way we entertain ourselves they've done really well I can see them doing so um, but I'm torn because the chart doesn't look great it's not terrible but it's just starting to creep to that point where I go sell so I think hang in I'm going to go hang in there oh. but I think you want so to be hold. really careful yeah I'm going to go okay. hold but just, I'll give you a number if it closes beneath, if you see it close beneath uh, 360, yeah, I, as much as I like it, I think you have to go sell. Okay. So hold right. it down. Michael? Telstra is one of those businesses that's widely held by a lot of people, so you've got to be careful sometimes what you say, but maybe I've had a, a bias towards being negative to Telstra for so long, but talking of restructures, this is probably one that's planned out well, yes. as management would have hoped, that FY22 strategy and that's why Telstra's seen the benefits of that. Effectively what happened, there was all these payments that were coming from the MBN that were so that, that have recently stopped and the company needed to have a plan and a strategy around how they're going to plug that hole. So they split the business basically into four different divisions, um, improved the reporting transparency. They also really have a dominant position in the mobile network with over 40% um, of people and users in this country using Telstra. Um, the government has pushed them to potentially open up their mobile network in regional areas so competitors can come in. Um, TPG, when, it's, when it merged with Vodafone, were really going to attack Telstra and its mobile network. They've since moved away from that. At one point, I think TPG was even going to build it. their own yep. network. Um, so now the company's continuing to sell off its poles and wires, its infrastructure assets. That's giving them a lot of cash flow and it's giving them optionality. They've got the choice to go out and do a few acquisitions which they've done they've also got the option to boost up their dividends as well as conduct share buybacks and all of that is generally quite supportive of the share price but in saying all of that looking at telstra on a 10 or even 20 year basis it's very difficult to get overly excited you know earnings lower than where they were 10 years ago dividends are about mm. half of where they were 10 years ago these things are starting to improve again after this restructure but 
it's still a very, very competitive space. Um, and being the incumbent, you've just constantly got people chipping away at your heels. So um, it's, again, it's probably a hold because it is right. a stable business in a turbulent market that provides you with a decent dividend yield. And there are there is a lot of optimism about where the company is heading, but yeah. I just struggle to get New chief executive too. It's a, and coming and up. Andy Penn delivered his, on the restructure. That's it. And now is stepping down. So it's I a good say. time for him to go. But if you're looking at a portfolio of 20 businesses or whatever mm. that you think is going to grow a lot right. over five, 10 years, I think there's other alternatives out there than Telstra. Okay. All right. Derek wants to know, Michael, Booktopia is one of those uh, <laughs> alternatives to put in your uh, portfolio, the big online book seller. Uh, revenue up 7.5%, profits up 6.3%, but then they've got $6 million in fines for a misleading uh, returns policy, and their founder and chief executive stood down as well. Yeah, and so, I think he's kind of made a comeback though now. Yeah, he was going yeah, to stand yeah. down. This has been in the media a lot just because of the, the boardroom battles that have been going yes. on. It's only a tiny company, it's but the shares are down 70, 80% since the COVID peak. Everyone thought during COVID, everyone's going to be buying books and, yeah. and DVDs apparently as a big seller there. Um, audio books, magazines, stationery, all that sort of stuff. So look, it's a company that I don't think you can get too excited about. I think there's so much competition in this space from huge you know, companies like Amazon. Uh, I just think that it's, it's, if, you're, look, if you're a bottom feeder and you like the turnaround strategy <laughs> that the, the founder is bringing back to the company, then maybe you can see some sort of value in it. But it's a terrible business with structural headwinds. Yeah. They had a leasing center, which they were constantly retrograding. So yep. they were constantly refitting and having to upgrade. And that was having efficiency issues. They've since got a new lease on a new site that might offer them some temporary relief. But again, it's yep. not my kind of business. <laughs> okay. Um, Carl, I think I know what you're going to say after looking at that chart. <laughs> Look at the chart. Um, it's, only a, it's only a recent float too, is it? What got up to almost three uh, bucks? Yeah, people get excited about floats, Koshy. I don't get excited about floats. And that's the little mining floats, you know, and they're in trends, you know. But, yeah. but it's like a fun time, a good time, not a long time as well. But floats, industrial floats, I tend to find that the founders sell them at a great price and then they never yeah. live up to their expectations. Look, I shouldn't say never. That's not fair. Some of, some of them do. I can't remember which one right now, but I'm sure there are, are a few. So it is a bit of a cautionary tale. Um, I, I think just be careful, and and if the market's really frothy as well, and this one kind of floated in a really at a really good time, always yeah. be sceptical. The probably the floats, the floats you want to get is in the floats during a bear market. I, I think they're the ones that are probably the best yeah. Yeah. Uh, historically. Now that's just anecdotal evidence. I've been around forever, Goshi. I've been I've been investing since the '90s, so I'm going to say. Uh, you know, finger to the wind, <laughs> the, the, the floats in bear markets tend to do better, but we're getting off topic. Um, yeah, C-suite, absolute maelstrom, just carnage uh, in the in the C-suite. Uh, fines from uh, the ACCC. They, this is what I don't understand. This is why they, they probably all should be sacked, is they, 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 they dusted uh, $2 million on investigating acquisitions in the last 12 months, Koshi. Now, I don't, did they not look at their share price? while they were out there investigating acquisitions. Like, wow. why don't you just focus on just sorting your stuff out? And by stuff, yep. I was going to use a different word with, that starts yep. with the letter S. Yep. Um, and then <laughs> they, they dusted another two million on not proceeding with another acquisition. Like, just, just you know, yeah. just get your head in the game. And why would you own this? Like, why would you own this stock? I can't yeah. see any reason. 
and also when the market has a view on a stock like you two have just uh, narrated, even if they do well in the next year, yeah. it's going to take a long time to rebuild that trust from the market, isn't it? No matter if they, yeah, they shoot the lights out um, from a financial point of view. Yeah, trust is so important oh. amongst the an, 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 an analysis community. It's, it's analysts, it's the grunts yeah. like me out there, Koshi, that are advising ultimately the, the people who make the decisions on where the money yeah. goes. And once you lose that trust, you, as yeah. you say, Just it's huge. very hard to get it back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gents, always great to catch up. Carl Capalinga from uh, Think Markets. Uh, thank you, sir. Enjoy the rest of the day. Always a pleasure. WA Thanks there, pleasure. Michael Wang from Medallion Financial. Michael, always good to have Thank you on you. board. Always good to be here. Uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Ragusa, uh, Mineral take, sell, take Some Profits on a Cochlear Assault from both Michael and Carl. Pure Profit, uh, Pure Profile rather. Wish there was profits. Pure <laughs> Profile, uh, a sell from both of them. Uh, Telstra, a hold from both. It's currently trading at $3.83. Um, if it drops to below $3.60, then Carl would have it as a sell. So on the charts, it's just teetering going into a sell at the moment. So if, you, if you're in Telstra, just watch that level. And Booktopia, a no from both. Coming up on the small caps, very shortly, Philip Pepe from uh, Shoreham Partners uh, talks stock specific, EQT Holding, Sigma Healthcare and Servcorp. Plus, Stephen Grocott from Queensland Pacific Metals gives us the uh, details on the AGM or the GM's investment. Um, and that's it for our show today. If you've got any stocks you want us to cover on the call, put them in an email, thecall at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. You can check out all the stocks in the call's fantasy portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. So much happening here on AusBiz. It's AGM season. You get the very latest here as it breaks. We'll take a break, but back with small caps after that. The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.